0: Ephesians chapter 2, good to see you all this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to go verse 1 to 5, and I'm going to break down this chapter to the best I can, and you're going to have to pray with me and for me, because I've already done this once, and my throat, I, I try real hard to tone her down from 5,000 RPM to 3,000 RPM, I got, I got pretty good to verse number 10, I got wound up, Norma, <laughs> When you got the Holy Spirit working inside, she's pretty hard and to towing her down. So I just got to, I get a little excited. I know some people don't get excited and that's okay. That's their deal. But my deal is I get fired up. I always have and probably always will. And that's just the way this popcorn pops. <laughs> so I just need grace for my vocals to stay tuned because I really want to do a Really good job getting the word that I believe I've received for everybody here today and online. Amen. Verse number one, Ephesians chapter two, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And your King James would say, prince and power of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And again, the King James would say, sons of disobedience. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Does your flesh ever crave? Give me to about 20 after 12. We'll see what you're all craving. And following his desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Thank God for verse four. Because up to one, two, and three, she was pretty doomy gloomy. Amen. God, hide us in the shadow of the cross today with your word, revelation, knowledge, and understanding in Jesus' name. And everybody said, number one this morning, if you want to write it down or put it in your notes or in your comments, simply this We were dead. We were dead. Notice the key word here, were. We were dead, so that means I ain't dead. Any grammar teacher that's out there listening online, I know that you just cringed. But guess what? We're not dead, but we were dead, but I'm not anymore. Paul's right here saying, we already have, remember, the foundation set from Ephesians 1. What's Ephesians 1 tell us? We're holy and without blame. Ephesians 1, three says we are blessed with all spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 says we are sealed. So we already know where we're sitting. But there's a little reminder that he just, before he launches into this powerful revelation in chapter 2, he reminds us that was your old story. You are no longer there in that old story. You're no longer living in the past of that yesteryear, that yesterday. That was your past. It is settled. Amen. Even when you want to look at the context of grammar in the Greek context, the word dead there is not even metaphorical. It means dead means dead. It doesn't mean that it was an idea or a theory or some mystical theme. The reality was if God could look inside of us back in our past, our spirit man was dead. Now this is how powerful the Holy Spirit is. How many knows dead man can't speak? But even though we were dead, there was something within inside of us. That when it heard a voice of resurrection power, our spirits responded and went from death to life. Amen. We once were lost and we were dead, and that is the reality. But when the Holy Spirit began to do its work and began to speak, something stirred up within sight of us, and we woke up. Amen. How verse four? Back By God, back By God, back. By God, back God, back God who is rich in mercy. Regardless of your past, regardless of what we did or we did not do, back God who is rich in mercy. Reach down. And now our faith responds to the word of God. and We become alive. Amen. What's this deal about children of wrath or sons of disobedience? Sometimes you read that and you skip over it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. What it simply means is this. Is that this world is full of sin. And we were born in this sin nature. But God is powerful than this sin nature. God is more powerful than the curse of sin that is over the earth. You say, well, I'm a good person. I pay my bills. I pay my taxes. I pay more than I should in taxes, but I pay everything I can, everything I do. I'm a good neighbor. Be reminded of this. It's not our goodness that gets us to God. The only thing that gets us to God is Jesus. The blood of Jesus, amen? That's why it says God had to step in. And God had to make a way where it seemed there was no way back God. Verse number 4. We see that, but God, because of his great love for us and his rich and mercy, made us alive with Christ. Number 2 this morning. Yeah, we were dead at one time, but number 2 this morning, we will receive God's way. Maybe write that down. Maybe comment on that. I will receive God's way. Why would I say that? Because he looked at us as dead as done, But he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you're saved. And verse number 6. Underline this. Write this down. Memorize it. Do something. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your desk. Verse number 6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus let me put this in real good context verse 1 2 and 3 we were dead a dead man down there I was dead What's, what's he saying in verse one, one, around 2 or 3? The prince and the power of the air. That's exactly what that means in the Greek. That they believe that in the air, there's demonic forces at work. Now, if you don't believe that there's demonic forces at work, and if you don't believe there's a spirit world, I'm going to pray for you because guess what? The scripture says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. God is eternal and the spirit realm is eternal. I know in the western hemisphere, there's not a lot of weight or pu- or push when it comes to the spirit world. But I'm t- Telling you something, there's something real about the spiritual realm. If you don't believe me, why is there such a hunger from the places of Hollywood and places like that that kick up movies? And almost 80% of the movies that our kids watch deal in the supernatural. There is a hunger within men. There's a hunger within women for something that is more than the tangible because your spirit knows there's something more than the naked eye. We were designed that way. We were created that way. So he says, you know what? You were down here and you were dead. But yes, guess what? He reached down to us by his richness of grace and mercy and brought us out. Now here's the cool part. It says, the prince and the power of the air is here. We were once dead. The prince and the power of the air is here. But we kept right on going past all that air and all that fluff and all that junk. And he set us right up there in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Amen. He not only made you alive, but he gave you authority over the prince and the power of the air. Now the enemy doesn't want you knowing that. The enemy doesn't want you understanding that. The enemy doesn't want you living that. Nor does he want you thinking that. But at the end of the day, you're seating. You have a real cool seat. You know, it's quite a juggling act trying to find everybody's seats during this time right now. Can I come to first service? Can I come to second service? And all this stuff. And and, and Joe, do I got a seat? Joe, do I got a seat? I must have got that text at least 15 times. Joe, do I got a seat? I get it. But you know what? Guess what? We've got a seat that goes beyond this little building right here. We're sitting We're sitting in a place of authority in, not even with. The scripture says in. Remember, we talked about being in Christ last week. But we are sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am alive. I am raised up with him, verse number six says. And I'm sitting there five times. This was mentioned in Ephesians about sitting in that heavenly place. We are now above and we are over the earthly realm. That's why when you and I go through battles and struggles, the enemy comes along and begins to deceive you and trick you and accuse you. But you can stand and say, no, I know the word of God. That's why it's so imperative that the believer knows the believer's book. That's why it's important when we get discouraged or down or upset, we can say, no, sir, I know where my position is. I know where I'm sitting. I know what my father says about me. I know what he's done for me. And I'm sitting and I'm not budging. (laughs) Glory to God. Verse number seven. In order that in the coming ages that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. I want you to write the word, underline the word show and the word kindness. The word show in the Greek means the church is to be the exhibition of the wisdom, love, and grace of God. My God's not just showboating, but he is the show. I want you to get this in order that in the coming ages he might show. The church is a manifestation of the love of the Father. Expressed in his kindness. And the word in the Greek right there, kindness, means God's love in action. So we were dead. He brought us to life. He gave you a seat, and he's showing you off. That's hard stuff to swallow and figure out, but that's the truth. We represent the God of the universe. We represent the manifestation. And not only that, but that kindness that flows through him, flows through us. It's an ongoing activity of God's love, God's m- grace, and God's mercy. It is God's love and action. What is the church? It is God's love and action. Church ain't dead. I said church ain't dead. Come on, help me out a little bit. (laughs) God's not dead. The church ain't dead. The Word ain't dead. It's alive and active. The only thing dead is those folks that have not received Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we've all been there. And my prayer is this. There be a major high level resurrection going on in the county. Amen. Amen. Why? Because when he brings us and he sets us and he imparts to us and he seals us. Verse number 10 says, we are his workmanship. Simply put, we are God's masterpiece. You think about it. One commentary put it this way, we are the canvas, and God took that canvas out, and he began to paint, and he began to draw. He says, I know the thoughts that it has for you, says the Lord, plans of a future, plans of a hope. You are the canvas, and he took that canvas and began to write and paint a beautiful picture. You, my friends, are God's masterpiece. I don't feel like masterpiece. I feel like most of the paint dripped and fell off the canvas. Let me tell you something. You're God's masterpiece. In other words, Jesus is God's best, and you are a manifestation of God's best. When you realize what he looks at when he sees you, Norma, when you understand From the heart and the mind of the Father, what he sees when he sees his children. Every one of us, you are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. When God does something, he does it to the nine. He does it to the best. He doesn't do a half job, a mediocre job, a so-so job. He says, no, you are his masterpiece. Let's say together, I am God's masterpiece. Glory to God. If that don't put a little shout in you, then you need resurrected. Why is this so important? Because as we lead through the book of Ephesians, we're on our way to war. We're on our way fighting battles. We're on a way where we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against demonic forces. And if we don't know who we are and what seat we're sitting in, you will lose the battle. But when you and I know who we are and where we are sitting and whose workmanship we are, we can do anything. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Woo! God, number three, if you're writing down, God gets all the glory as we build. Verse 19, consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built On the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building. Everybody say the whole building. Is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're fellow citizens. We've got a citizenship card when we gave our heart to Jesus Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven, and we're built on a sure foundation, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. I am not a construction guy. Anytime that I have to do that stuff, I have to hire it out to somebody. But I understand enough about building a construction back in the day that there's one stone that was laid called the cornerstone. And everything came from that. Every angle, every idea, the better structure, and everything. Jesus Christ took us and brought us back to life, and then He set us in heavenly places. And He didn't stop there. Remember that song? He's still working on me. Now, he's already made us. I don't agree with all the theology of the song. He's already made us what we ought to be. We know that from Ephesians one three. You with us so far? But there's things that he's working on where, you know what, my salvation is set. I believe with all my heart. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I am set, and I am sealed, and I am on my way, and I'm sitting in heavenly places. But at the same time, he is working with us, and he's molding us, and we find that right here in the latter part of Ephesians chapter 2. And we find ourselves... Most of the time battling the past and the present and the future. Constantly there's this battle that is going on. And so he exemplifies and brings this out in the easiest context possible. When again he says that in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And here's what he done. He come along. Chapter 2 verse 1. And here's what he found. Drugs. Depression. Broken marriage. Abused. Debt alcoholic religion broken heart dead anxiety chapter two verse one dead verse four but God but God but God who is rich in mercy I'm free but God I was bound in rules and regulations and religion, and all these things. But God, I am free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I came to God, and I was dead in my trespasses and sin. Mental health disorders, and all of a sudden, the prince and the power of the air tried to plague with my mind. But God got a hold of me, and now I've got a clear mind. Amen? Amen? I was dead, I was dead, every one of us were dead, we were completely out of it, but God got a hold of us, and now we are alive, amen, I came, and I was broken and I was messed up, and I was alone, but guess what, but God got a hold of me, and now I am made whole, Amen. Hey Amen. That's what he says. That's verse 4. That's good theology right there for you. Broken marriages. God comes along. He says, yes, but I will restore those broken marriages in Jesus' name. He'd come to God and he's full of drugs and he's full of dependency of all kinds. But guess what? I've come to Christ and now I don't need a drug. He is my all in all. I show up and I am depressed. I take a pill that wakes me up. I take a pill that keeps me awake all day. But you know what? I came to Christ and guess what? I got the joy of the Lord as my strength. I come to the Lord. I was abused. I was abused physically and emotionally and sexually in every which way. But guess what? I was all there but guess what? I am healed. Amen. I showed up and I was a mess in debt. I was a mess all around. But guess what? When I realized Ephesians 1 and 3, I'm not dead. I'm blessed. He comes along. He says, okay. He says, I got gotcha. you. You're now alive. But I'm not even done with air. This is where he says, you know what we're going to do? And we've got this taped up some good. But we're going to get it open. Bless God. Amen. We're going to get this open. Amen. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Well, we're going to do it right here. <laughs> <laughs> He not only said that, but he opens us up. Because here's the thing. He says, I want to dwell. I'm not just going to help you out. I'm not giving you just a little coat of paint. I'm not just giving you a new t-shirt. But he says, you know what? I want to dwell with you. The word dwell means tabernacle. It means I want to live there. And he takes us. That which we were all dead. And guess what? We are alive. He says, all right. I'm putting my spirit inside of you. Amen. All these messes, all these things around us. The church, the church is God's manifested love. The church will realize unity only when she realizes she does not exist to propagate the point of view of any person. But To provide a home where the spirit of Christ could dwell. They were all men who love Christ can meet in the same spirit. That's a mouthful right there. But that last scripture sums it all up. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place. What is the point of church? The point of church and the point of the church is real, real clear. We are preparing a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. A place of hope, a place of authority, a place of power, a place of influence, a place of clarity. Paul went from verse 1 to verse 22 to explain one point. You are being built together for a dwelling place. See, the Holy Spirit craves relationship. The Holy Spirit cries out to bring us together. But the Holy Spirit's not interested in just flaunting around in the air. The devil, he wants to do that, he can, Prince and Power of the Air. But our God wants to be within the hearts. He wants to dwell. He wants to dwell. He wants to set up a homestead right within our hearts. This is huge revelation because when you and I battle battles of this life and battles of this world, and they are there because, again, we live in this crazy world. I can be sure, not only am I saved, not only am I alive, not only am I seated in heavenly places, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords is dwelling within me. So the next time one of these things comes knocking on your door, You can say, no, 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 not a bit. You don't understand, devil. I was dead, but now I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. And oh, I got to tell you something right now. It's greater that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm so full of God, you couldn't get at me if you wanted to. And the reason I'm bringing this out to the best of my ability is because the people of God You must know and understand who you are and where you are in Christ. It'll take you from cancer to victory. It'll take you from a disease to destiny. It will take you from warfare battlings to winning all the time. It'll take you from being messed up to blessed up. When you and I know I'm sitting there, I'm sealed... I'm blessed, I'm covered, and you know what? He's working, and he's dwelling in me. So I'm going to pray this morning. Right right now, off the bat, what I'm going to pray for is I'm going to pray that God just open up our hearts and be tender to receive. This is not something you're going to get from a book. This kind of thing right here, you have to get it by revelation. And you get it through the Holy Spirit. Some of you asked me over the last five or six years again, and I say this a lot, but I mean, I say it for a purpose because I know for some it's going to take a little longer. How do you keep a smile on your face, whether it's a good day or a bad day? How how do you keep such joy in your life, regardless of what's ever gone on or is going on? It's because a long time ago, when I was just a little guy, I got a revelation of Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. That come what may, I'm not losing my seat. I refuse to give up that seat. I refuse to give up that seat. I will make up my mind that whether I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or I just beat the head off of a giant. You know what? I'm still sitting, and he's still dwelling. And we've got the victory in Jesus Christ. That's everything. That's everything. Father, right now, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts to receive from you the good things of Jesus Christ that we would receive this. Hold on to this. And before we're done today, we're going to see revelation of who we are and where we are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The
1: weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Yes. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail.
0: Thank you, Father.
1: Cause the God I serve knows only how to try triumph. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war He wages, He will win. Oh yes!
0: Oh yes! Oh yes! is so easy how is it so easy to walk in authority and victory verse 14 of Ephesians 2 says this that he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation being abolished In his flesh, the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one man from the two, thus making peace. He was trying to explain to the Jews there's a wall coming down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That who? Not just a Jew, not just a Gentile. He took a wall down. I want you to hear this loud and clear. He took a wall down. And the wall that he took down was between the Jew and the Gentile. But he didn't stop with that wall there. He took every wall of religion down. Anything to do with racism, he took it down. No matter what your back. History is, no matter what your country you come from is, no matter the language that you speak is, no matter the color of your skin is. He's taking those walls and he took them down and nailed them to Calvary's cross. He took every wall down. So you and I have complete and free and open Access to salvation and healing And live there 24-7 There's never a minute That you're living without victory There's never a second That goes by That you're living without being blessed There's not a moment that goes by That you're not living Where you are not sealed 24-7 I'm alive Having said that, I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to pray this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're tuning in this morning and you don't even know him. I believe his voice is speaking to people today across the airways, saying, Come alive. Come alive. With my richness of grace and mercy, I want you to be a masterpiece. I have something already for you. How do you know that? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would open up that door, I'll come in. His voice speaks and her spirit responds. And because of that wall gone down, I'm not a stranger, I'm not a foreigner. We're family. Our family. And the bloodline is called Jesus. That's the bloodline in this family. That flows from the very courts of heaven. And that's why I can confidently stand behind this desk one more time. And tell everybody this good news. That God loves you. That heaven was made for you. That you can walk in a blessing. That you walk in healing. That you walk in favor. That you walk in victory. That you're not alone and you don't have to be alone. You're not a foreigner. You don't got to be a foreigner. You're not living in the past. God's put a brand new day. And all he wants is to hang out with you and live inside of you. So Father, right now, across this auditorium and across the airwaves... Let there be a revelation. We are alive. We are alive. We are alive. I am dead to the past. I am covered in the blood. Father, may we know we are your workmanship. And may you flow through us. Father, may there be wisdom and knowledge and understanding and revelation. The Father, you're working us together. You fit us together. You're growing us together. You're putting us together. You're equipping us for victory over victory over victory. Being equipped because we have knowledge of your word and what your word says we are and whose we are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm sure this morning there's people here that have needs online or in person. Maybe someone here today, you got a physical need. Has anybody got a physical need? Physical needs. God sees those hands. Spiritual needs. Mental health needs. Financial needs. We've got families that are being separated. They haven't seen each other for months. That's not easy to get through. Even right here in the old province of New Brunswick. I've got one daughter I haven't seen since early December. Took her back for university. It was a one hour drive, whatever it was, and had to get back here. It's not easy stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. Even in these moments right here, he'll provide comforts. He'll provide peace. I wonder if we could stand together. When we stand together, it's an act of faith. That act of faith is saying, you know what? I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm believing. I'm believing in God's word. And Father, right now, in Jesus' name, across this auditorium, thank you for revelation, knowledge, and understanding of your word. It is powerful. Father, I pray those that stood, those that raised their hands, said, you know what? My back needs a healing. My shoulders need a Healing. I have organs within my body that need to be reconstructed, redesigned, and healed. I believe right now, Father, in this auditorium or online, we know that the healing virtue of God flows through the bodies. We know that. For those that have financial needs and emotional needs, Father, there is a blessing, there is strength, there is a way, there is wisdom. I speak over people in this room right now I look down across this way And I see Elaine That's dependent on an oxygen tank I speak the breath of God into her I speak the breath of God Into her respiratory system And there will be no need Of an oxygen tank whatsoever In Jesus name I plead the blood of Jesus over her and I declare healing virtue would flow through her in Jesus' name. I pray for families that have not seen loved ones in weeks and months and sometimes close to a year. I pray comfort. But more than that, Father, I'm not just praying comfort. I'm praying that you will make a way. Yes. Families need to see families. And Father, you'd wrap your arms in comfort. And again, not just comfort, but you're going to make a way. I believe it with all my heart. Maybe, Father, for someone struggling with this self-identity issue, that they're not good enough, that they'll never qualify, they'll never make it. Father, help them to see that your richness and your mercy showed up one day. And all they had to do was walk in and believe. Father, guide us and direct us, I pray, across this region that one more time there will be a resurrection awakening of your goodness, of your love, of your mercy, and your power in Jesus' name. Maybe you're out there today online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. May I remind you one more time before we go today. He loves you with an everlasting love. He went to the ends of the earth on your behalf. And he made a way. So, well, I got such a crazy past. You don't get it, preacher. Maybe I don't, but he sure does, and he's already dealt with it. The debt's been paid. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God is good. And God is powerful. And God is amazing. We see good things. As we leave this auditorium today, we're not leaving His presence. The worship team is going to keep on worshiping, and we're going to walk out in victory in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.